You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 13, Coed COVID. You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. This would be Season 3. During these crazy, uncertain times, brought to you via video conferencing, honoring our fellow humans with the social distancing... We're bringing you Powerlessness Part 2. If you've ever wanted to see what we look like, check out the video feed. Go to punktheology.net for a link to our YouTube channel. I also gave it a bit of a spruce up there for springtime here. The old vintage Punk Theology HTML5 website, punktheology.net. Check it out. Welcome, guys. It's your Punk Theology Podcast Video Edition. Who knew it took a global pandemic to do this to do a video show? And we're doing the audio, of course, too. But yeah, if listeners want to see what we look like, I don't know. This uh, is a really unfortunate way to let people know what we look like. God, no kidding. <laughs> I saw this thing where uh, Matthew McConaughey was doing a, a Zoom video, uh, and he looked just terrible. <laughs> and one of the guys commented and was like, man, think about what the rest of us looks like. If Matthew McConaughey <laughs> just looks terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the makeup doing everything. Yeah. But I don't know. This is sort of. This is kind of how I look. Daily. <laughs> I got my Louisville slugger. This is about his, my punk rock shirt. I found this at a thrift store for like 50 cents. So, what's our topic? Well, I don't know. They would kick around what's going on with uh, the pandemic. I wrote down some questions. Um, but just, let's do some check-in, man. How are you guys doing? It's been... Derek's been uh, home for a couple of weeks. Steve, how long have you been home now? I've been, been home, home for a couple of weeks. Wow. I've been home since February. Wow. I've only been home since the middle of March. I've been been home a week and a half now. And, yeah, it's weird, you know. I'm not used to this. No. The boundaries between – because I've got all this creative stuff I do, you know, and little projects here and there, but it's like – the boundaries between work life and home life, you know, are, are all skewed and weird. And it feels like, you know, how do you guys feel about that? Like what the anxiety, the not being able to stay on task for me, it has been a thing. Like sometimes I'll sit down and like, I'm going to do this now. And then there's like, I don't know, you got, Derek's got the kids and, and Steve, you got a puppy. <laughs> Well, yeah, I've got like a dog, and I got my and my wife and and daughter. And there was time last week that all three of us were trying to work on our computers, and make phone calls, and the dog was wanting attention. So it's like, God, I can't do this. So I took the dog for a half hour walk. I said, just had de stress. But yeah, it's it's real because that typically I come home and I'm I'm alone for two or three hours doing my work orders and you know making phone calls from the house. Nobody's home, but now. We're all here all the time. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> yes. 
my kids have been really interesting to watch because my daughter just cannot handle the like home is for being home and school is for being at school. So she's really struggled to just get any school, which is interesting because she's a great student and she usually loves school, but she just cannot handle the whole being home thing and having to do school. And my son is the exact opposite. He's he, he's just like doing everything. He's doing this prodigy game. I think I posted something about this on Facebook. Uh, it's like a math role-playing game and he's absolutely crushing it. Um, he's basically, he lets you keep track of what he's done and he's done 88% of all the first grade curriculum since Saturday. Uh, and it's been, it's like 1500 questions that he's answered or something like that. And how old is he? He's six. He's six. First grade. He's, oh, he's almost grade. first grade. Yeah. Zooming through it. Yeah. He burned through it in, in uh, six days, basically. Which Arthur and I were talking about, like, really shows you, like, kids don't, <laughs> like, some kids really don't need to be spending as much time in school as they are if you yeah. can get through the entire curriculum in six days. Yeah. Does that surprise you that he's, he's that way? No, he has an obsessive personality. Gotcha. And he loves games, and they gamify this. So yeah. he will just, yeah, he will just keep on going. Uh, just because he loves the whole games aspect of it so uh, yeah and it's been it's actually amazing <laughs> every like couple hours I come upstairs and I toss him a math question and he's killing it so <laughs> really good wow I was he's thinking about that too like there's a uh, Matt Roper who's a YouTube guy he was a engineer at NASA he's teaching like science classes now online and there's like you know DeGrasse Tyson's doing some things and there's you know all these mega experts um are out there and it's sort of like what if we start to find that tele education is is better than all this money for spending on public schools you know because you look at especially in the United States here like we have some of the worst test scores in the world. Like we're the one of the richest countries with the dumbest kids. There's kids in third world countries that beat us. And, and we wonder why. And, you know, you like gamifying it, like you said, Derek, gamifying it for your son and making it fun and making it like he wants to learn. Um, that's just really interesting to me. Like I, I'm not shitting on, well, I'm kind of shitting on our public schools. I went to public school. I freaking hated it. But then again, it's sort of like a personality thing. What kind of personality do you have? And, and, and that's, you know, that's kind of the, demo, or the what's going on with my daughter and my son is uh, my daughter, daughter's not doing well. She okay. does way better in the classroom setting, way, way better. But and but Joe's always kind of struggled with the social aspects of school. Uh -huh. uh, he's been getting bullied and stuff a lot, and I think being he was loving being at home. Uh, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to to see if this opens up some alternative options for some yeah. kids. Yeah, uh, I don't know how I would have done in that setting at his age, or even your daughter's age. I I struggle. I think I'd have struggled even more at home. Yeah, I wouldn't. Too I distracted. Me and my mom both had moments where we were talking about my homeschooled friends, and we look at each other and be like, "Hell no!" 
There's <laughs> no way like no. either of us had even a little bit of an interest in doing the homeschool thing. <laughs> well, it's interesting because my, my oldest got her master's online um, in uh, math for elementary education. And she zipped through the whole year in less than six months. She loved it. She'd just check in online with her, uh, or she'd make a phone call like once every two, three weeks to check in with her advisor, take the test, boom, she's done. Yeah, run through her own stuff. Yeah, so it would be interesting to see if colleges don't do that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's harder to justify there. charging people $30,000 a year if yeah. uh, you started going that direction. <laughs> yeah, well, she was, I think hers was 6000 Uh, Yeah, it was 6000 for the master's program. Right. And if she and she had a year to accomplish it, I mean, she did it in six months. Right. But yeah, that it'll be interesting. See how society, if this is the new normal, kicking my shoes off. I don't think I've ever uh, done a, one of these PT shows with, with my shoes off. So that's a new experiences here tonight. Um, yeah, my kids are both grown, and my son and daughter were opposite like that too. Like my daughter just really did well in school and my son had to kind of be prodded and poked along when he had a really good teacher you know that's the thing about having a personality there to to guide and direct and when he had a really good teacher he did really well and when he didn't he struggled you know same with me like i i don't know i don't know how i would have done with schooling my mom was never home so there was no homeschooling involved my mom was a business owner and single mom most of the time when I was growing up and then when she did get married to my stepfather who was a truck driver he's a long-haul truck driver so she was still a single mom pretty much um but yeah that's education man school so many weird like forming memories happen during those times in school you know and I wonder what a tele you know or even the homeschool kids how they deal with all that. Did you homeschooled for a while, Derek, right? Or or no? No, I went to a small private school, which was, it was almost like a homeschool cooperative type of thing. Okay. I think the, it was first through eighth grade and the whole school usually had about 60 kids or something like that. So it was very small. It mm -hmm. kind of had the homeschool feel, but, but, but again, I got to get out of the house. I got to go to a dedicated classroom um, and spend time with someone that wasn't my mom. <laughs> and that was that was always yeah i i just know about me and my, my daughter are very similar and um i would have done what my daughter is doing now just not been able to focus at all right yeah. kind of curl up in my room and do whatever the hell i wanted yeah i wonder how many of those people during this whole you know pandemic uh everybody social distancing and all of that like people that grew up like homeschool. I wonder if they're like flourishing. <laughs> yeah. This isn't different. I can do I this. Know. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's, it's just a weird, cause isolation, like that's, that's the thing with me. And I learned that like I, I could be isolated and in a group of people um, during some of my more challenged mental health times. I, I was, I was kind of always isolated even when I was around people. So uh, you know, I don't know where that got started as far as school is concerned and authority and stuff like that. I think authority and you you pair that into something like this happening and how the government is responding to, you know, everyone being unemployed. Like we 
when the hospitals got overrun in China, we start like here in Washington state, it's been pretty good because we're, we've been pretty good at flattening the curve. Like I've been watching the news and probably on the best path of almost any other state in terms of we've been through, we're through close to through the worst of it and we're doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And there's two, three million people between Everett and Tacoma. And for us to not have totally flooded the hospitals and sure the the hospitals are pretty busy, you know, yeah, but they're um, not. But they're not like New away. York, yeah, yeah, and and some other place. I heard New Orleans is is, New Orleans is bad. having a really hard New time. New Jersey's getting really bad. Yeah, but I think one of the things that we didn't think about was social services, right? Like all of a sudden, you see those peaks, right, on the news, and how the hospital is trying to deal with all the rush of people coming to the hospital, but now you have this massive rush of people coming to unemployment or DSHS, and, and there's no food, right? We're running out, we have no money, can't get food, um, can't pay the bills. And so, you know, we passed this bill, the stimulus bill here in the United States, and it sounds pretty good, you know, I'm, especially as a Lyft and Uber driver, like there's specific language in it for self-employed and even for Lyft and Uber. And it's like four to $600 a week for us self-employed people unemployment through this government program but god knows when we'll ever see it right just because there's like this whole oh, there's a curve and like there's millions of people i got up yesterday morning and called at 8 a.m to the unemployment office busy <laughs> already 801 i'm like dial so yeah god knows what's isn't there a website you can go to yeah, but there's nothing on the website for self-employed people. Gotcha. It's set up gotcha. for the, the employed mm-hmm. folks. So you have to have like 600 and some odd hours of unemployment to be able to even get to the part where you're filing for unemployment. So there's nothing in Washington. Then they said, give us three weeks. All right. I was like, okay. But yeah, for right now, if you log in there, there's nothing for self-employed people. I saw a thing that said half the state's won't actually even be able to cover um, the unemployment load that they currently have um, coming in. Like there's just not enough money. So what is, what is the percentage of unemployment right now? Isn't it? Well, see, so a week ago there were 3 million unemployment claims and then yesterday 6.6 million. So it's about 10 million people, but you figure there's probably what two people for every person that's filed already. So it might be 30, 40 million people, which is a lot. <laughs> a lot of people. Right. right. Yeah. Workforce is like 168 million, I think, in the US. So so yeah, we're we're pushing into 20, 25%. Probably. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I read is somewhere in there. And they're expecting it to go higher as high as 35 to 40%. Yep. It's like well, God. it's yeah, you know, it's all like a cascade thing, right? Like everything's so inter- interwoven. Right. That, that all these dominoes start falling and then it's a good time to be working at the unemployment claims office. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing some I'm business right I'm now. I'm sure you're super busy. Yeah. It's, but, uh, but you don't have to worry about a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the funny thing. Like I wish I could have gone back six months ago to some of my conservative friends and said, Hey, I bet you in six months, 
Trump will be handing out Andrew Yang style checks <laughs> to every American, you know, to all, he'll even bump it 200 bucks. He'll do $1,200 <laughs> instead of the thousand. I bet you, I bet you 50 bucks. Yeah. I saw this great quote that I think, I don't think, I think John posted it, but it was, uh, um, how come, why do we love capitalism so much that every 10 years we have to bail it out with socialism? That's <laughs> yeah. totally what the model is. Yeah. It's like just let the capitalists run crazy and get, get the thing running red, red hot, the economy running red, <laughs> red hot. And then some little, something happens. And then we, the whole thing just shuts down like a fucking Ferrari with a, <laughs> with a, you know, like a clump of oil or something that ran through the system. Yeah. <laughs> a valve or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then we gotta bail the whole thing out with a giant socialistic package. Then we get the thing running red hot again for another ten years. And then yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the funny thing about libertarianism too. Like all the libertarians who would have said, Well, we'll let, you know, GM die or let, you know, some of these companies, which I kind of agree with, you know, like I don't know, we should be bailing out General Motors, for example. Well it's not capitalism all of the jobs. What's that? It's not capitalism if you don't let them die. Exactly. Yeah. See, that's where the socialism comes in, like you're saying. And so, but I was listening to, of all people, Donald Trump <laughs> talk about the energy companies. And if we just pulled the plug on the energy companies and said, no, we're not giving you any money, like just go out of business and we'll let the grassroots of energy start. Like that would be cool, but it would be horribly painful for probably yeah. a good freaking yeah. decade, you know? Like wheel like a hamster or something to get the lights going in your house. Like it would be bad. Yeah, we'd end up in Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. where that would go. I'm still I'm still wondering. You know, there's a pessimist and an optimist in me, you know? I got a I got the little devil on my shoulder and the and the optimist over here. And the little devil keeps saying you know, kind of like with this whole thing with unemployment, you know, when are people going to just fucking eat the rich, right? Like, that's a fear. I think that's why this whole stimulus package came out. It's like, see, we're going to give you guys money. Don't fucking come kill us all, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, it's starting to get the 1800s or something, right? Yeah, I, there's been kind of a French Revolution brewing for a while, and this is going to make that way worse. Uh, yeah. 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 If they don't get out ahead of it. And we have the technology to do it, I think. I don't know. But it's just the bureaucracy. And if you put somebody who actually had the, the smarts and logistics around pulling it off, we would probably get it done. But yeah, I don't know. You look at Obamacare. I mean, when Obamacare first came out, people were signing up for that. Remember the whole computer system just crashed? Yeah. yeah. It took like 24 hours for the thing to just grind to a halt. But eventually it started, you know, the tech guys got in there and it started working. So I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic over here. But yeah, that's when we last met, we were prefacing this about the fear of the unknown. Yeah. And now the unknown is here. Unknown is how long will this last? Unknown is how much, how long will I keep getting a paycheck? Unfortunately, uh, my wife works for the school district, so she's on a in a contract through the end of the summer. So, you know, hopefully by then uh, we'll have some semblance of returning. But I don't know. 
I heard, uh, I was listening to a talk show today and this is, they think there's more of this going to be the new normal than reverting back. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, as far as uh, social distancing, um, you know, will we go back to handshakes? You know, will yeah. we go back to uh, when we're sitting, wearing masks more often? Because you always, you've always seen those folks that would wear the mask yeah. and it might be their, you know, the surgical mask. They might be out mowing the lawn for allergy's sake or you'd see them walking around town, but you wonder now if that might not be more common. Yeah. Well, it's been common in Asian countries for a really long time. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's weird. I went to, I went to Costco and I wore a mask when I was in there. Um, nobody else did. And one, it was great because everybody really kept their distance. Yeah. Like, it was like, I'm like, Oh shit, what's wrong with that? Something. <laughs> Stay away from that motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> well, and, and that's, what's really strange. And I threw this up on, on Facebook last night, strange days by the doors. Um, and it's so apropos. He says, uh, strange days have found us. Strange days have tracked us down. Yeah. It's so bizarre to see the responses you get from people, especially as I, as I was going around. Um, I'm still, I'm considered, our, our business is considered essential because we deliver to uh, paper. Yep. paper, pens and stuff. I delivered, I got just on the phone tonight with the health district. She is scrambling. They're doing that drive-through uh, COVID-19 test site. Well, she ordered uh, 40 cases of water last uh, Friday for their testing site. And then today she's panicking for hand sanitizer and wipes. And we are back ordered until summer right. on getting in that stuff. And she said her normal supplier won't give it to her because they're, they're allotting their shipment based on past uh, purchases. So I'm scrambling trying to find it. Uh, and she says, yeah, when you drop anything off, they're really, they're really, they want to keep their distance from you. Where yeah, right. I was at Public Defenders downtown Everett delivering paper this week, they didn't care. I mean, I'm walking. They come down there, let us in the elevator. We're in the elevator with them. I'm just a little freaked out. <laughs> yeah. I don't like elevators with people anyway. So I usually walk, but I'm carrying five cases, or I'm, I'm hand trucking five cases of paper. In. But it is really uh, unusual to see the people's reaction, even in interacting, like their reaction to you. Costco deer or you run over I'm taking advantage of the senior hours at Safeway and uh, QFC so I'm in there with a bunch of 70 and 80 year olds but it's nice because there's not that many people there but you see the people some are completely wrapped they've got the surgical mask plus then the scarf around their face yeah. and they got the big gloves on I'm like but that's what's kind of been fun it's just in a, in a kind of a sick way is to see how people are responding to it yeah. fear, that, that fear of the unknown yeah that's the ice I spend a lot of time kind of struggling with my own curiosity on this because <laughs> sometimes I wake up and I'm just, I'm raptured by the enraptured by this. It's so, I look at all the numbers, I follow what's going on and what, you know, this here, what does that number mean? Just cause that's my personality. I'm a curious engineer. This type uh -huh. of stuff is fascinating. Uh, but sometimes I have a moment where I'm like, that number is dead people. Like yeah. I've been kind of, you know, getting all, I'm, getting all nerdy and, and interested in these numbers and I just have to take a step back sometimes and be like, no, that's a, those are, that's a lot of dead people. Yeah. Maybe you should yeah. have a little more sobriety over that. But, but yeah, it's, there's an odd, well, thick morbidity, I suppose is, is, mm -hmm. the, is the best word for it, which means. And what you said in the last episode, Derek, kind of 
had me thinking too. And some other people have said it too, but I don't know. You're my friend. So I listen to you. <laughs> I'm kind of the anti-authority guy. Like don't fucking tell me shit. Cause when this whole thing started, I'm a Lyft driver. Right. And I'm kind of like, this is mass hysteria. I even have my, you know, my friend who works at the hospital, who's going, it's not that bad. It's just a, it's just an aggressive flu virus, you know? And then as things unfold and more information comes out, like she's looking more nervous and she's like always at friggin' work, right? Like she was just, she was, she was in an accident. I, I, I mentioned that, but in the last episode, Derek, you mentioned some of that, you know, and that had me thinking and getting into it. And there's just, you're right. There's just so much we don't know. There's so many 30 year olds that, and it's rare, but they die from this thing. Yeah. A lot of times, you get 20, 30-year-olds, this one kid was 19 years old. They don't die of the flu, but they're dying of this thing. And so there's so much we don't know about it. Um, and that, and here's another one. Just going through some of the, like I have, I still have a lot of friends on social media who are either pastors or in churches and, and pretty active in ministry, right? And people who say who like there's a judgy thing i think there's always an underlying judgy thing to a lot of religious folks right like if i can find someone to point the finger at i feel a little better you know yeah. but there's no there's no one to you know to, to be mad at right like there's people that no have symptoms for two weeks without showing anything and you're like what you know you can't blame anyone <laughs> if i could blame someone I would feel way better, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a tiny little virus that you can't see, yeah. you can't do anything about, and yeah, there's no answers. Yeah. You, the greatest minds in the world and the richest people in the world have very few options that are any better than some of the poorest people, and it and there is there is definitely an equalizing sense to everything that's going on. And that everybody's stuck at home. Like, like, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I read too, is that they said it's a, it's a non-respecter of age, of wealth, yeah. of race, gender. It is an equal opportunity getter. Except it kills men. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. Of a, in Italy, they, like 70, it was like 70-30 in terms of men dying. But, well, and that's being 64, my youngest is, Dad, you're high, you're high risk. <laughs> I've, I've been see it's also allergy season yeah so it sucks. that's the frustrating part you know you wake up i'll wake up in the morning and i'm stuffy like i was stuffy this all day today yeah but I'm I, do, I don't have the sore throat i don't have a fever i don't have the aches which i typically get with a cold right so but you your mind just starts to run. freaking out yeah. yeah and then if i have like i i carried a case of paper into a customer today and I'm all out of breath when I got in there. And she goes, are you okay? I go, yeah, this isn't COVID. I'm just out of shape and out of breath. Yeah. But that's what your mind goes. We yeah. go, I go dark and hurry. Yeah. When Misha was still in school, it was a rough two weeks for me. Really? I was having lots of allergy stuff. I was started having chest pain. I have recurring pleurisy in my lungs. Uh -huh. And that, like, I was just waking up at two in the morning, like, holy shit. Like, this is it. Like, we're going. <laughs> like, this yeah. is yeah, yep, I got it. I definitely got it. And, and like, you know, make plans for how I'm going to quarantine myself and like, like all that shit. And just, well, and then, yeah, I throw my asthma in there too. Yeah. And I'm like, it, and periodically, like I'm 
oh, every year, it seems like in November and December, my asthma just goes batshit crazy on me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's all day for about two or three weeks. And if that had been now, I would have been down there screaming at the emergency room. I got it. I know I got it. You don't want to go to the emergency room either because that's where you definitely get it. God, yeah. It's like the worst place to go. Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, looking back, my daughter was really sick back in December. And my wife was sick in February. Almost a two-week, every symptom. Yeah. Bad cough, uh, fever out of uh, breath, shortness of breath, really tired. I am back. I think what you'll find then is what she wants to get tested for the antibodies, as does my youngest. See if that antibody, if she's had it, then she can be, um, she's got that antibody built up, so she'll be more of them, not immune to it, but her antibodies will kick it out. I was telling Russ the other day, he needs to get tested, because... Oh. It'll be way easier for him to find a job. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're not kidding. If you can prove that you can't get it anymore, you can get There's hundreds of jobs that you could get right now. So, Derek, um, are you talking to your kids about this? A little bit. Not too much. But when it comes up in conversation, we talk about it. I don't know that they – I'm not trying not to get too deep into it. Right. And, you know, the most important thing they need to know is that they're very low risk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they got to. They still got to be smart about things, but the odds of them really getting sick uh, are very, very low. So, well, I, kind of, you know, thinking back at that age, I would have very, I doubt very much that I, I would have understood the severity of what it was. No, I don't get it. I mean, because the Bay of Pigs was what? When was that? Sixty-four. Yeah. 65. I had no clue. Yeah. I mean, I was, and I was eight years old. Yeah. But I didn't, I would, and I've looked back at history on it now, and I go, damn, you know how close we came? <laughs> I mean, I was eight years old. I'd probably out playing in the backyard. I don't care. You were doing the hide on your desk drills and. Oh, yeah, I did that. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. Because that'll save you. Oh, yeah. I, you. My neighbors had <laughs> the bomb shelters. And I thought that was the coolest thing because we'd go over and play in them. Yeah. They were in the basements, but it was always fun. Um, anyway, going back to what you said about, uh, getting a job, like, so by the time we record next week, I want to, I want to do the diligence that I need to do to find out if I've already had this thing. So I'm, yeah. I'm pretty, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm probably 75% sure that I've already had this just because of how sick I was in January. Mm-hmm. And I was out of work for four days. I haven't taken four days off of work in over a decade. Um, it was in my chest. I, I talked about this before on the show. It, it, now they're pretty serious about having people come in and test if you've had the antibodies because they need blood. And yeah. like yeah. it's something they did with swine flu, right? Like if you have the antibodies in your blood, you can actually help people kick this thing because you know the antibodies in your blood can get into someone else's body and possibly do the work. Um, so, so I'm going to get into that starting Monday. This is going to be the weekend. If I can tomorrow, I'll go to one of the tents and see if they'll test me. I tried to call again, busy signals. I tried to call the blood center. Um, so I either have to go down there or I'm going to have to go down to one of the tents and see if they'll test me. Cause that would be a, 
yeah, yeah, I could get a job right away with a hiring bonus. I think it was CVS around here that was paying like a $500 signing bonus to work at, a, at the pharmacy right now. No experience necessary. Like, holy smokes. My son works for Kroger and he was saying that, uh, he says it's pretty sweet at night because he works in a graveyard and they stock the shelves because they close the store now where they didn't used to. And he says, but the, he, he says, it's dirty, man. He goes, I'm wearing gloves. I'm still wearing a mask because people are there all day. They're touching stuff. You know, there's things out of place and, and they just clear the shelves. You know, he says they bring Safe, in Safeway too, though, right, Russ? What's that? Safeway is hiring too. Yeah. Because I heard their Northwest, president last week on the radio and he says you can literally either go online or talk to the manager of a store fill out an application you could be working tomorrow yeah and they're one in all those areas you just mentioned but that's uh, something my son said every hour is nine to six as a the thing my my son was concerned about is is that the reason they're doing so much hiring is because people working there are sick yeah and yeah. getting sick yeah. Yep. And so again, that's one of those things. I'd have a lot more confidence in getting a job like that if I knew I've already had this thing. Because where, you know, now I'm starting to see my wife and I were talking about this about me getting in in the accident with the, with a lift car, and like maybe that was a blessing in disguise, right? Like I just don't know. Um, I wasn't making much money, and now you know I'm on the the message boards and stuff, and people are bringing back their rental cars because they're not making enough money to even cover the rental for a week. So, yeah, it was I guess a good time to get out. A lot of the Uber and Lyft people are just they're not making any money at all. There's nobody wanting rides right now. So, I'm I'm confident that things are gonna. I I don't know. I'm just oddly optimistic. I think this is a cool strange painful time to be alive but there's something to the shaking of the snow globe so to speak yeah. right yeah. like as as a as a society not even a society or a culture the whole world has had their snow globe shaken really hard really freaking hard and now yeah. we're having to deal with what's really important in life you know consciousness is is at the forefront of a lot of people i think that's another thing with you having young kids derek and is is like they're gonna grow up knowing where i didn't so much and my kids didn't so much that hey you know shit showing up on the shelves of the grocery store isn't like natural like, it's like, it's like the whole process of things going on is magic toilet paper show up on the shelves right well this is a big like humanity is fragile yeah type of yeah like yeah it's this tiny little thing can shut out shut down the whole world the whole world i know tiny microscopic it, little thing you know and, and it's always been a Hold up baseball major league baseball shut down canceled Everything. like what the fuck man all of sports is canceled yeah yeah. No. Yeah, hey, I put up a video of my chickens. I'm starting a, a a chicken like Olympics or something like that in the backyard <laughs> here because chicken racing can be the new athletes. They're gonna save us sports fans. I'm. I'm, I'm Call I'm, Vegas, Russ. Investors. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sarah, my youngest was Sarah yeah. was down in Vegas two weeks ago. She went on Sunday. Uh, 
Sunday morning, she flew down, spent the day at the pool. And then uh, she called me Sunday night and said, Dad, we're coming on tomorrow. I said, I feel better about that. I said, same, what time's your flight? She said, like nine. And I said, okay. Well, then she called me Saturday or Monday morning. And she said, Dad, we're coming home at three because they're shutting the hotel down. And she said, it was the most bizarre time she's been there. She's been there several times. They said there's nobody, nobody there. Yeah, there's all these pictures from Vegas. Oh, yeah. The whole thing's just deserted. It's probably, it's never been that no. since ever. I have a friend that uh, lives in Reading, and she grew up in San Francisco, and she took, they had a drone picture of driving this drone flying through San Francisco in the middle of the day. One or two people out, yeah. it. And it is just packed. And even today I saw a story on uh, in Times Square in New York City. Same thing maybe three or four people. And I think that's why they put such a hammer down on people staying home because they weren't, you know, yeah. I, that what was it two weeks ago when the weather was so nice for that weekend. Yeah. Al Kai was packed. Yeah. That's like, come on people. I mean, yeah, I, I understand it because it's been shit for weather for the whole season. And it, that's our first days that you can actually wear a t-shirt and feel comfortable out. But yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be nice again this coming week. I see It'll be that. Interesting to see if they struggle to get people to stay in. But you know, if it goes on, I can't imagine them. People are not going to stay no. in. There's yeah. no way. In the Seattle but, area, when the sun's out, are you kidding me? Yeah, and then there, because you go down like you go down to Smith Street where the the homeless camps are under the bridge there, and they're walking around town like they're the only ones really that's out. Yeah. I, and what happens to them when they get it? I walked down to Rucker to see that road project they've done down there uh-huh. and it was it was eerie but yeah the the homeless people are out yeah. they're all over the place yeah. uh, but it's basically it was just me and the homeless people yeah, i know right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's crazy because you drive downtown and there's parking everywhere yeah. you know right on colby where the uh well the starbucks it's downtown's closed gas is crazy cheap oh geez, yeah. we got nowhere to go <laughs> no exactly yeah. well i saw today it was like 25 dollars a barrel yeah it's gonna hit 20 Jeez, that's like no that is yeah and you can't go anywhere no. <laughs> just, if i get below two dollars a gallon here in the seattle area like that would be well i paid uh 2.99 yesterday on my wife's infinity for for uh chevron premium and that's usually 3.79 to 3.99 yeah so i was under three bucks I go, yes fill it yes yeah the economy man that's the one of the most interesting things about this is that snow globe shaking and the way that money is transacted. And like you said, Derek, about the capitalism Ferrari, (laughs) that is the United States economy. Like that's, uh, that's another, you know, uh, a shake and a, a wake up call for, are we awake to how our economies even work? You know? Yeah. We just, we just ran a big old batch of fryer oil through our Ferrari. <laughs> it's going to take a long time <laughs> for that well, shit to work its way out. Yeah. I was talking to one guy and he says, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a reset button. I mean, it's giving yeah. people pause to think, um, yeah. are you prepared? You know, are you, uh, what is important? Like you said, Russ, what's important to you? And it, once you run out of all the stuff to watch on TV, you're going to have to be looking at each other like, oh, God, I got to talk to you. You know, we got to we gotta actually see. Well, I was talking about playing cards. I'm like, 
I'm not a card player, but yeah, I mean, because people don't watch so much TV. Right. You know, you start to, your mind starts to just fog over. Yeah. I've actually been a little bit jealous of some of the other people that don't have to go to work because I'm working a lot, actually. I'm kind of busy, which is, I mean, it's great in that I'm getting a paycheck and, you know, I can't complain about that because there's so many people that aren't, but I'm kind of missing out on the whole, I've got nothing to do at home thing. Uh, <laughs> and I actually, so we're, I'm taking the whole week off next week because we're doing spring break. The kids are on spring break. Misha's off. Um, so that'll be nice. That'll be my one week to, to get, hopefully get closer to that point of, of just kind of settling everything down and getting back to basics. Um, but yeah, it's been, I, I feel like I'm missing out on the party a little bit, which kind of sucks. <laughs> but one of the things I've tried to do is stay as normal. So I st- I'm still getting up close to the same time and I'm making sure I get up and shower, even though I just go into my computer and get on the phone, but I make sure I shave and shower, get dressed. And then I usually take the dog for a walk during the morning and then sometimes in the afternoon or one of the other family does, but yeah. just trying to, to maintain that semblance of, of a routine i learned that during the last recession when i was working from home like I, I have to shower i have to put my jeans on i can wear a robe or like something over the top of that but if i just keep my pajama pants on yeah. like the whole day shot it's a yeah. terrible idea yeah so i gotta put jeans on i gotta get up out of bed i can't stay in bed i gotta get up out of bed go to a different room sit down have a room that's dedicated to doing work uh yeah like that stuff's really important because yeah your brain just starts to fry yeah, well i i found that when i take the dog we we usually gone for about a half an hour 45 minutes and i come back i feel better yeah you know, my mindset's not as depressed i'm not as depressed i'm not as anxious about what tomorrow is but as far as if i just sit around and watch tv yeah. it's like oh god i feel sorry for all the people that are in our apartments yeah, no kidding. Well, that's what my daughter and son-in-law said that they just bought a house back in uh, a year ago. And they said, I, Dad, I couldn't have handled this. Yeah. I couldn't have handled my husband. I go, well, I can't imagine that. Just a two-bedroom. or No, they just had a one-bedroom apartment. She goes, now it's nice because I can go to a different part of the house. You know, I get tired here. and I go upstairs raising the, you know, on the computer or whatever. But There was an article yeah, that, I read that said divorce lawyers phones are ringing off the hook yeah Yeah. they're just getting tons of calls because all of a sudden you have to you have to spend a bunch of time with the person that you maybe have been avoiding for a couple of years yeah 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 that's really interesting too because there's there's like two things going on it's a weird dualism so studying what i've studied for 15 years on the other podcast i do there's people talking about a baby boom and there's also like, you know, people are ordering like shit on online sex shops like crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's going to be a bunch of kids being born on one side and there's a bunch of people getting divorced on the other. And it's a strange kind of dualism. Like when people are locked up, like, what are you doing? And then there's also sex is an escape. Some people have sex but want intimacy. This is like, again, this is like intimacy forced intimacy it's like gorilla it's like boot camp for yeah. <laughs> spending this all this time together and the stuff that can come 
you know, come flooding out of that in a relationship. The relational aspect of this thing is, is really interesting to me. And how people, I don't know if that's an American thing, like people just boom, you know, knee jerk call the divorce lawyer if they have money rather than trying to kind of work through things and see this as a, you know, again, like a blessing in disguise or start to see what's really important or start to see where intimacy is broken and people can, you know, reconnect. Um, that, yeah, that stuff's really interesting to me. The, the fact that the baby boom thing is interesting because there has been that thrown out there, but Misha saw that thing and was like, if there is a baby boom, it's all going to be firstborn kids because anybody that has a kid and is locked in their house with that kid is not going to be yeah. having any more kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like, give me all the birth control. Yeah. All the birth control. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm never doing this again. What are condoms are flying out the shelves like toilet paper? Yeah. They are. Yeah. <laughs> There's been a run on condoms. <laughs> and they're not using it to put on their fingers. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I heard too is that uh, during these times, if you're unemployed and the depression hits, is that the opioids, alcohol or whatever, like alcohol sales are way up. Yeah. Because everybody, just something to take that numb, just numb the edge a little bit. Yeah. All that fear. There's a bunch, I get it. There's been a spike in overdose deaths. Really? Yeah. From opioids. Like, because you're stuck in your house. What else are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. Like, and you're, and you're right. You're trying to escape the anxiety and the boredom. Like, fuck it. <laughs> do some drugs. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to, uh, yeah. I think it was Dan Allender's podcast. And he's talk, talking about this idea that we've talked about is lean into what you're feeling. You know, that's the problem is that we do is we don't want to feel it. Yeah. You know, instead yeah. of just lean into what am I feeling? Okay. The fear. The, the anxiety, the doubt, the, the frustration, all those feelings that are genuine and just lean into them. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm drinking. <laughs> but it's cheap. It's really cheap beer. See that? Um, my wife has. I'm drinking. My wife's been beer. doing pretty good business. My wife's an Avon lady. And so she's been like, people are shopping when they like online stuff. And, yeah. uh, like their own businesses but again i i wanted to kind of land maybe land the plane on that whole the idea of being conscious of how society kind of runs like a like a motor you know and how like you said steve how the ways we look to escape um as as a guy's been through recovery groups there was there's always some guy in the recovery group who want really desiring to be sober and seeing sobriety as kind of the, the goal. And, and these guys would, would think about like escaping to the woods, right? Like I'm going to go off the grid and I'm going to live in the woods and I'm going to live off the land and that's going to be my life. It's going to be awesome. And people, some people actually do that, you know, and they spend about a week or two out there before they realize that, you know, society's pretty fucking cool, <laughs> you know, like you know, having running water, you know, you turn on a faucet and water comes out or you plug something in and, you know, there's the internet and stuff. Uh, and so finding that balance between survival and just living in a, a society and enjoying our day-to-day -day lives, um, you know, it's been kind of cliche lately, but that saying uh, my mom used to say, 
this too shall pass, right? It'll pass, you know, God knows when, but it's not going to stay here forever. There's lyrics to a punk song by the Bastard Sons. It's the chorus. They just kind of repeat the chorus throughout the whole song. Um, Hold fast, because you know this too shall pass. You've had a bad run of luck, but it's not going to last. And just when things you when you think things are at their worst, you 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 take control of the situation and you place it first. I don't know about like that part so much, but <laughs> but getting through this and realizing that this will pass one day, it and it's a kind of a cool piece of history to live through. I'm riding the fucking wave. If there's anything I want out of this, Derek, I want to ride the fucking wave and see where it goes and see where we land right um great time for curious people yeah yeah yeah. be more curious that's landing the plane right good job guys (laughs) later no handshakes just fist bumps thanks for listening to punk theology (laughs) it's a little late for tears isn't it barbara even though you didn't know it was going to happen today you've still had your whole life to prepare for it Of course, you've gotten into the habit of not being prepared. And now it's a little late, isn't it? You're a creature of habit, Barbara. We all are. Unfortunately, not all of your habits are good ones. This was how your day started. Started wrong. Shut up! Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Want to make a punk robot joyful? Jovial, jolly, beautiful. Hit that subscribe button. Like, as if the PT podcast was your lift driver. Would you please leave PT that coveted five-star review? Thanks. You fucking rock. You can email the punks at punktheologypod at gmail.com. Yeah, they would love to read yours on the show. Follow Punk Theology on Twitter. At punktheologypod. And don't forget to join the Facebook group, Punk Theology Pub. The Punk Theology Podcast is the sole property of DigitalAudioProject.com, LLC, who is responsible for its content.